want to welcome you into our space of Core Voices, our beautiful little community that we are growing every single week, addressing hard-hitting issues, real topics that we need to be talking about, removing those taboos, breaking that silence, taking away the shame, and stepping up to support each other, because that's what community does. That is what we are meant to be doing for each other. And this is our space to do that. Don't forget to drop us an email to corevoices at gmail.com. Go and check out the website corevoices.org. And if you're not already, then go and like and follow us on Instagram and Facebook. We're trying to develop a space of support so that we can actually have safe spaces to talk about things. We can have people who support us and listen to us. That is what this community is about. And I'm going to ask you all to hold space today with us together for an incredible guest, an incredible sister. Last week, we had Bulji Sangra, who was, who is the director of the documentary Because We Are Girls. And today, I am so excited and so honoured to announce that we have one of the Puni sisters joining us today. Jiti Puni has broken her silence of being sexually abused as a young child. Jiti's outing of the veil of silence has been a spark for much needed conversations to end the violence and abuse experienced not only by women in the in the Indian community but all communities. She is a motivational speaker, the author of The Silent Stoning and the driving force behind her documentary film Because We Are Girls. Jiti is an advocate for cultural change and a voice for girls, boys, men and women that have suffered sexual abuse. She lives in Surrey in British Columbia, Canada with her husband and two daughters and she is an incredible light. I'm so, so honoured, Jiti, to have you on the show today. Welcome to Core Voices. Thank you. Thank you to sweet. I'm sorry, I'm having a couple of technical issues with my light, but um, I want to just express how grateful I am for you to be here in our space. Um, last week, we had incredible conversation with Biljeet about the documentary that you've created, all of the the hard work that you've put in, but more so the bravery and courage that yourself, your family and your sisters have shown to be able to tell your story. So I want to say a heartfelt Thank you. Um, would you like to say a few words about the documentary? Oh, the film is something I knew when I broke my silence back in 2006. That, okay, I'm going to make this film. I, my background is in fashion design. I, you know, made clothes ever since I was 12 years old. So I thought in my life, you know, documentary that I'm going to make is going to be about my designs and the fusion, you know, from East and West and all these beautiful silhouettes. And, you know, I was inspired by Galliano, by Valentino, by, you know, Lagerfeld and on and on and on. But when 2006 came, um, I realized, holy, uh, this is the documentary that I was meant to make. So, and here we are, um, the film wow. out now, and um, it's it's doing immensely like well, and um, exactly what it was supposed to do, right? So, mm -hmm. 
helping change lives and helping heal lives and giving a voice to those that don't have a voice. Mm. Mm -hmm. We truly deeply appreciate the work that you're doing. How do you feel now that the documentary is out? Uh, well, it, the film was being made while we were going through the court case process, right? Mm. So that was difficult. And um, I wanted my sisters to be a part of it. And I knew my sisters would support me. And I knew my parents would, you know, be a part of it as well. And and my brother. So basically my family. But mm. um it was difficult to, to 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 do all of that while we're you know going back and forth for for the court case and just um, my sister Kita usually said she ba she barely had enough energy just to you know muster up and um, prepare for court and over top of that being filmed so mm -hmm. I think for me it was a lot of pressure um, seeing my sisters go through what they had to go through while mm -hmm. I'm um, you know here I am fulfilling my desires right and my my dharma of um, bringing this issue out and um, being in service to 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 the whole world and my daughters and myself, right? Mm -hmm. So it was it was um, an interesting journey. It was it was a it was, a, it was a, an emotional roller coaster ride. How's that? Oh, I mean, I can I can only imagine. This is a topic that our community needs to step up to address, and. Um, it's one of the things that's been buried under the rug for far too long mm. because there's a lot of um, cultural restrictions that hold us back in terms of family values, society, um, lots of different dynamics. We're, we're taught and conditioned from such a young age that the, the daughters are the honor of the household, Gardi Izzat, right? Mm -hmm. um, and there's this huge responsibility thrown onto us before we even know what that means mm -hmm. and if something were to happen to taint that honor mm -hmm. it's all of a sudden you're you're ostracized in your community right um you become untouchable you you know it would be like who's gonna marry that girl you know mm -hmm. so that's that's a lot of layers to shed of complexity that exist in our community right mm -hmm. and i really commend you and your sisters for helping us the rest of us out there who have experienced sexual abuse in our community to feel brave enough to come forward with our stories because we we wait for things to be shown on tv that help us to relate Hana, that oh they look like me they sound like me or they they've had a similar story to me Hana. Mm -hmm. but it takes so much courage to do that and I don't think that you know everybody who's tuning in or people who have watched the documentary will fully understand the strength and the courage that it takes to step into that space and you know it's groundbreaking what you what you've done thank you Thank you. Um, when that knowingness comes from inside, like when I, I knew to break my silence, I knew that, you know, this is the that moment for me. Um, I knew I'm going to make a film 
So then you take action. I approached the producer, Salwan Jacob, and I told him I want to make this film. And then I wrote the proposal and they accepted it. And then a year and a half later, my friend Baljeet, she uh, was, she, she's a director. So she was brought along to direct. And um, there were so many blessings. Um, it, like I said, my family participated. I still remember when I told my dad um, about the documentary and I waited until filming was gonna start. And he's, I, I told him that, dad, you know what, the film board, they accepted the proposal, I'm gonna make a film. It's about, um, you know, our history, like immigration history, right? Like the immigrant story type thing, and then all of the other stuff. Mm -hmm. So he knew what that meant. And, my, okay. and I remember him sitting on the sofa and no eye contact with me, but I really knew that he would participate and my mom obviously would participate as well. And I think that that's their way of um, standing up for us girls in ways mm. that they never could when we were younger or even older, right? Mm. So it's, it's a blessing how everything came together. And I am so fortunate that um, uh, people like Salvin Jacob, people like Balji, people like my sisters, you know, they they all poured their heart to create such a, a beautiful film. And there's a lot of people in the background as well that are involved uh, through the NFB team, right? The National mm -hmm. Film Board team. So everybody poured their hearts into this project. And that's why this film is a success because my sisters rose up. I rose up to tell the truth from the heart. And when you speak from the heart, people hear you from the heart. Yeah. It's a whole it's it's a whole different way of communicating and expressing because we're always in our minds, right? And um yeah, so it came from here and people are receiving it from here and we get messages every single day uh with people sharing their stories, gut-wrenching and heart-wrenching stories, mm -hmm. uh people asking for um just um advice and giving us uh, more inspiration and courage to to move forward with our future projects. Wow. Mm -hmm. And everybody who's tuning in and didn't catch last week's show, the, the documentary film is called Because We Are Girls. It is available on Amazon Prime and I highly recommend you all to watch it. It's something that really deeply moved me. I watched it last week and um I, I can't stop thinking about it because there's so many other hundreds and thousands of women across the world, Indian women, mm -hmm. who have probably had similar experiences and just never thought that they would be able to come forward, you know. And I can say that about myself. There's, you know, abuse that I've suffered, which I thought I would take to my grave and never speak about. But honestly, watching the documentary last week and seeing three incredibly strong Punjabi women on the screen owning their stories and sharing the rawness of that journey it was just it was a huge wake-up call for me that it's time to you know time to figure out how to talk about this and how to address it and I, I can't imagine how that was for you um, and I've got so 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 many questions for you but I think um I, the first thing that I'd like to understand is what what role besides being in the documentary, what role did you play in the in the production of it? Were you able to 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 speak with the directors and kind of navigate areas of sensitivity, or was it fully controlled by them? Well, um, 
in the filming process, um, I had a huge hand uh, with, uh, for one, bringing the project to to the National Film Board, right? This is my story and I wanted to share it. Mm-hmm. And I remember the producer telling me, this is this doesn't happen where the the subject is what I'm referred to. The subject brings the film to to us. It's usually a producer or it's usually a director or something else. And then he's like, did you ask your husband? <laughs> and I was like, okay, let's die out, right? But anyways, um, yeah. So and moving forward with with um, the the proposal and the acceptance and all of that. So Baljeet and I met regularly. We were always communicating with each other. Mm-hmm. I at times felt like I was gossiping about my sisters because I was giving her all the history, giving her, you know, the tidbits as to what's happening right now. And that mm-hmm. meant in my sister's lives. And that also meant in the court case and, and all of that stuff and including in, in my life. Right. So the, the I write questions. I'd write a list of questions. Make sure you ask dad this, this, this. Oh, you can ask either this. You can ask, you know, selection of this. Uh, I'd prepare those questions and she made her own prep preps too. She's a director, right? So she really was open to um, what my suggestions were. And we worked shoulder to shoulder, basically. And the whole Bollywood aspect, that was just a must. Like you have to have this Bollywood aspect in there. And he meant so much to me and my sisters when we were little girls. Uh, I came to Canada in 1973. I was four years old. My dad took us to a movie theater and Wow. I've never seen a movie theater. And then Hindu mm. was the movie that we watched. And it was just so magnificent. And the glamour and the beauty and the dance and the music. And then he had a record player at home. So then he played the record for us. And we were dancing to the Hiranja songs. And um one of the the the, the the songs that didn't make the film was um, and I was remember telling Baldi, you know what, our, our sisters, despite whatever we've been through all our lives, it plays just in the back of my mind, you know, and, and mm. even still, um, that's what plays. We take our dupattas and we just twirl and run around and, and that song plays, plays in the back. And the Vanjaliwala, I mean, oh gosh, who could ever forget that? So as a four-year-old, I was so mesmerized by all this. And that um, Baljeet actually really beautifully incorporated um, all of those um, Bollywood scenes that had... Um, good impact on our lives and then obviously there's uh the other impact which is um you know more darker right and that's i mean that for me was it was really wonderful to see how uh bollywood was incorporated into the movie um how much of a role did those movies um play on influencing your idea of relationships because you know those films back then really projected you know the the good indian wife and um that was the whole culture of silence that was what was inherited down from woman to woman from previous generations in the whole indian culture how did that affect your relationships in terms of family and like even romantic relationships hmm well um the Bollywood aspect um, that had the negative impact, right, which is keeping, you know, 
making sure that me and my sisters were submissive and we stay obedient and all of that. Those messages were, were there uh, in every film that we watched. Mm. And then there were also um, uh, you know, scenes, right, where, where the woman's blouses are ripped off and all of that. Even though we didn't understand a lot of that at you know such a young age, but we knew something horrible was happening and then that the man is in control because the man can kick out um, his wife, right? And that one where... Um, oh, Asha Bharat touches um, Manoj Kumar's feet and it's in the film and she's asking for forgiveness and it's like and he moves his feet away so it's like you're not even worth like you know the, the like they say the dust under your husband's feet right <laughs> like all those messages they have a huge impact and in shaping um, the the wiring in our brain and uh, reinforcing obedience and even with our dad like we obviously come from a patriarchal culture right so my dad um i mean i saw him as an actor because he was so handsome and uh he would pose in front of um the the mirror himself and you know have pictures taken and, and stuff and it's like oh god he does look like that actor so you know that you have to obey him right and you know that he's in charge and that we on our own can't make any decisions so your place is pr pretty much um set uh, through um, the films that we watched and what was happening in our household as to how um, my mom and dad's relationship. Mm -hmm. Wow, there's there's so much there because, you know, we've, we've all grown up with different types of Bollywood movies or old school Punjabi movies and they all have that same messaging because that was the norm back then. Um, but that was really, it was really fascinating to to think of that. And thank you so much for sharing your perspective there, of how you related to it. Um, I I'm very I want to be very conscious of how I ask the questions. I don't just want to throw questions at you um, because of the topic. And um, I, if we're if you're okay, could I ask you some questions about? the experiences that you went through in in childhood would that be okay if we we just step a little bit into that space sure thank you thank you jiti um grooming is something that i don't think people understand well mm -hmm. um and how powerfully it can impact the psyche of especially a young or a vulnerable person mm -hmm. um and i think because it's so deeply misunderstood victims don't receive the support that they need because people don't know how much grooming plays a role in controlling somebody's mind mm -hmm. and your behavior. Could you share a little bit about, about this? Well, grooming, um, there's, there's a couple things around grooming. One is the perpetrator, right? The person who's going to inflict harm upon you family members usually, it's someone that's known to you. In my case, it was my cousin, and he was almost 10 years older than me. Um, I was 11 and he was 20. So they know exactly what to say. They know exactly what to do so that you gain their trust. Mm -hmm. And they gain their trust bit by bit by bit. It's not that something that happens just in a snap of a finger. First, they tell you how, um, what a good child you are. Oh, you listen to your parents. You're such a nice child. Look, your other sister. Oh, she's so naughty. 
right? So um, then they tell you, oh, how beautiful you are. So they up the ante, right? Mm. And they tell you, oh, I like it when you sit close to me, right? Mm. And then they tell you, oh, you're special. Oh, then they up the ante even, uh, uh, even the notch more so. Oh, you, I really like you. Mm. Mm. I really like how you make me feel. And then it goes up and up and up, falls into I love you or, or whatever, right? Every, every um, groomer or perpetrator has their way as to how they do this. Mm. So obviously, naturally, as, as a child, um, especially for children born in uh, patriarchal cultures where there's so much submissive, submissiveness and obedience shoved mm -hmm. down, um, you know, like my throat and my sister's throat, of course, any bit of attention you get, you know, which is not a slap across the face um, or, or um, you know, you, your parents shouting at you. So it is good attention, right? So it, it feels good. Oh, this person kind of understands me. Oh, this person's nice to me. Um, that's that part um, when it comes to the perpetrator. But there's also the culture that grooms. Hmm. So my sisters and I were groomed by our culture. And we just talked about the Bollywood aspect. Um, mm. Our parents in our home, right? There was physical punishment if we did not obey our dad. Our dad told us we can't look at him in the eyes, face down, right? Look at the floor. So, um, and then you have the aunts and the uncles that come and everybody was allowed to, you know, slap us around or whatever. Um, and then also the lack of attention uh, parents give to their children. Mm. Parents are working. Mother has to cook in the kitchen. Mother has to go, you know, work outside of the house or attend to her garden outside or, or attend to the relatives that are coming in, you know, from, from overseas and getting them settled. So they don't pay attention to their children. So what message is the child getting? I'm not worthy. I'm not deserving. I'm not important. Um, and then I'm supposed to be submissive, otherwise I'm going to get in trouble. My dad's going to get mad if I, you know, step outside of the house or leave my hair open instead of, you know, two braids. Whatever, however the messages are presented in, in each family. So the, the the culture itself, the community itself, oh, hi, hi, oh, look at so-and-so's daughter. She's walking down the street, blah, 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 with, you know, her hair open. And in our case, we weren't even allowed to wear uh, shorts when we got a little bit older. So um, that was a huge issue. And we didn't have our haircuts at um, 13, 14. We had to wear them in braids. And we mm -hmm. had to come home and change into our Indian suits because... Mm -hmm our bodies were growing and I guess dad was not comfortable with how the pants fit, you know, our buttocks and mm -hmm. the shirts fit our growing bosoms. Um, mm -hmm. The body's changing and the parents don't know how to deal with it. So then, you know, here they are trying to really control you and you make you even more submissive in the years where you're supposed to um, appreciate your growth and your fullness. Right. Mm -hmm. So all of that, um, the grooming by the culture, the grooming by the parents, the grooming, you know, when the perpetrator comes in, it's already set for him to just slide in and uh, do what, uh, whatever his desires are and, you know, the harm that he wants to inflict. Wow. That's, it's so powerful what you shared. I mean, the layers of grooming, mm -hmm. you know, um, it's not as straightforward as just the perpetrator. It's everything else that supports what they're doing and they take advantage of that. Um, yeah, it's in our music. 
it's in the films, it's, uh, you can't escape it. It's everywhere, right? So you, you yeah. Wow, you've, you've just got me thinking there because it's true, it's all those subtle messages um, and the submissiveness. I mean, we, we're used to it within, within the families when our mom's telling us, you know, whatever's happening at home or these things, you know, you keep it zipped, right? Um, I remember a scene from the documentary, I think it's your sister Kira, um, she was addressing when she first uh, spoke to your mom about what she was experiencing. And then I think you, you still had a younger sister who was going, who was still to be married, right? It was something along those lines. She was talking about me. Oh. I hadn't been married back then when in 1992, 91, 92, when yeah. Kita uh, told my mom. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, and mom was obviously worried about, oh, okay, if this comes out, well, how we can get, get married, you know? So, yeah. Mm -hmm. yeah, that's, I think that's the social pressure, you know? Um, it's, it's cultural and social that apparently there is no life beyond this. That was how they saw it. And this is why this story is so important because there is life beyond this. There is life beyond abuse. And um, I'm like, I'm really holding back the tears. I just, I'm, I'm about to cry any second. So um, forgive me if I do, but I'm just so moved by everything that you're doing. And like I said, it's my own call to action as well, that how do we muster up the courage to step into that space? And how did you and your sisters actually first sit and discover that it wasn't just happening to you, it was to all, all of you. When we were older, uh, I was about 22 years old. And that's when I found out that like, you know, it was horror um, that he uh, had inflicted upon, you know, my sisters and myself. Uh, and when that happened, oh Lord, um, that was that was the darkest day in my life. I'll put it that way. Um, you can read more about it in my book when I publish it. Um, but um, when we confronted our parents, like when the time came in 2006, I was 37 years old, turning 37, I think, and I had a six-year-old daughter. So when that time came, that okay this person seems he's still actively um, abusing, right? Um, and um, then you have to make that choice. Holy shit, what do you do? Okay, for me it was, I have um, a six-year-old that I have to protect. And the catalyst for me opening my mouth was a, was a phone call that came to me from um, uh, my abuser's sister. Uh, saying that uh, horrible things about me and and my sisters so twisting the whole truth twisting the whole story as if we were you know some um sex mongers or something as, as children and, and and growing up you know fast forward as young adults that it was nasty so anyways and then for me that caused a switch in in my brain as to holy they she, she's they've got this all wrong it there was no um uh, pleasure, as she put it, right, that we had received or I had received with everything that had gone on in my life with, with her brother. So um, that finger pointing, when those words came out, I was like, oh, my God, she's got it all wrong. This is not how it is. I saw my innocence. 
mm. the little jitty that I was and what happened. And then I saw my sisters and, you know, in my, in, it, it flashed in front of me that they were girls, little younger girls, right? It flashed in front of me, my daughter, and the, the fact that this kid is, this guy is still um, around young girls, you know, in our extended family, holy shit, I have to say something. And I didn't think of the consequences at that moment. It all happened instantly. My husband, um, I got the phone call, I cried, I was a miserable mess on my floor, my husband walks through the door and I'm like, okay, you know, I, I have to tell you something. And he's like, what's wrong? Mm -hmm. And from there, um, I just took the courage, trusted the knowingness, and that was my truth. So I shined in my truth, I spoke my truth, didn't think about the consequences, whether I would have you know, lost my home, my husband, my daughter, um, or whether my family would disown me. None of that. Because when you're in the future, when you're thinking about those kind of thoughts, then you're in fear and worrying about this and that and that. But what I learned in that moment is that that knowingness that comes from within, that's what I have to go with and trust. And when you trust that knowingness, and you speak your truth, there is this immense force of strength. You are unstoppable. Nobody can do anything to you. It's, and, 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 and what's, um, how do they say it? What's um, good for self is good uh, for the highest good of all, right? So what's good for self, right, is the good for the highest good of all, right? So we often think about how is it going to affect my family? Oh, how is it going to affect my sisters? Or my mom was thinking, how is it going to affect, you know, me getting married or other kids getting married and blah, blah, blah. Well, you know what? Here I was. And at that moment, that's the message that came to me that I just have to tell my truth. And I did. And from, from that moment, fast forward, um, my sisters, I, I feel that um, we've built even a stronger bond because we all rose together and we supported each other through that rising. Like my older sister, Selekshana, she doesn't have, um, at that time, didn't have that courage and needed more support. And so Kira and I were there for her to offer her whatever we could um, you know, as, as sisters. And then she did it, she says, because, oh, okay, my sister Jeeti is telling the truth. I can't let her just do it by herself. Oh my God, she's going to lose her marriage. Okay, well, I'm going to put up my hand and say what happened to me too. That's her, right? And then my sister Kira, she had always wanted this truth to come out way back um, since 1991, 92. And um, yeah, and unfortunately, our voices were quashed and um, it was held over our head. Um, my mom looked at me directly. I remember that conversation in the washroom uh, when Kira was telling her. She just ignored everyone else in the washroom and she just looked at me and um, yeah, basically told me. That'll be on you, right? So it's like, okay. <laughs> and then you just put everything aside and you continue life fast forward. But, we can't keep on suppressing this stuff and keeping it silent and, and muffling, you know, voices of our daughters. That's not in our best interest or the best interest for our families, our children, grandchildren and our communities. Absolutely. Absolutely. I'm honestly fighting back the tears. You have no idea. I, I want to give you and your sisters the biggest hug in the world. And I'm grateful that you, you had each other 
you know you had that literally sisterhood and it, it's it comes across in the film and the three of you are incredibly strong i don't think you know i don't think that weakness is a part of this process at all it can't be because there's fear can be there when you're younger and you're afraid of the consequences because you know that that conditioning if you're seen in a negative light you're going to be blamed mm-hmm. um that is what our community does so well we victim blame very very well unfortunately we don't show up for victims mm-hmm. um we haven't done in the past and this is a call out to everybody who's watching and everybody who's tuning in that we need we need to hold our community accountable to a higher standard of support a better standard of support and in the film what i saw really that stood out to me is there was a little circle between you and your sisters and it's your parents sat outside that circle they were not part of that circle um and for uh, for me just just watching the film i feel like i know you guys and i'm making so many assumptions so please forgive me but it was like you you got each other through it you know mm-hmm. that's what it felt like to me and i guess what i was trying to understand is like how old were you when the three of you shared with each other that you've been through the same thing we actually didn't share it until we uh, to uh, september 9th 2006 that's when i knew like exactly i had heard something back in 2006 from my sister kida right but um my older sister myself and my um uh sister kida yeah that was september 2006 and then basically we got together and my brother drove us down to our parents home up in williams lake right so that's the first time that i was hearing um the, the story wow Mm-hmm. what did that feel like to realize that it wasn't you weren't alone in that pain the depth of the story is what i found out then okay. um and um for me it was just the magnitude of it that uh, holy this person is still active and then your mind runs across like all of your family members right and you you have the flashes of all the the little children that you know uh, that what in our family that lived in our house or came through our house and it's like holy the impact of this is so huge this one person can do all of this damage and you know leave all of this carnage behind so for me it was that and the fact that oh my god he can have access to my daughter like he's still invited to family functions even though we my my mom knew about what he had done back in 1992 or whatever right so um even though people some family members knew he was always at family functions and um then my sister kira put it really nicely as well why is it that she or i go to these parties family parties and he's there and we're busy protecting my little girl. Mm. Why do people have him there in the first place? Oh, right? So, um anyways, that's just that's how the culture works. They uh it seems like um it's the the person who breaks the silence. The silence breakers get ousted and that's what mm. happened in our family. The minute we opened our mouth, there was even more finger pointing as to how bad we are and um 
yeah. And um, he's still a part of the, you know, the, the family and yeah. So my parents and I, obviously we've cut communication from so many family members and, and actually it's a good thing. What am I teaching my girls? Stand up for your truth. Doesn't mm-hmm. matter if you have to, you know, just be willing to stand alone. If you have to, it doesn't matter who believes you and who doesn't. I was not believed. Instead, it, the finger was turned around and said, you know, she's the bad one. And I and I knew that. I said it in the film too. I knew that from a very young age that no matter what happened to me, I was going to be punished. It didn't matter who did it and what they did. I would be punished. I would suffer the consequences of someone else's horrific actions. So mm-hmm. there was no doubt in my mind that my head would be chopped off or I would be killed. There was no doubt in my mind that I would be shipped off to India. Mm-hmm. And we saw that happen around us in our community, right? And even in our family. So I've seen um, a family member shipped off uh, around the age of 14. So. Wow. And, you're, and when you're a 10 year old and you're witnessing, you know, one of your cousins being shipped off, uh, you know, okay, that's your future. If, if something horrible happens to you, or if I were to do something um, that goes against my parents, right? Wow. Yeah, those, those were the realities. You know, if a girl messed up, she goes to India. If a guy messes up, it's okay. Yeah. He's still learning. Yeah. Right, yeah. but there was no forgiveness. Wow, and I, I know that at the moment we're we're addressing the one issue um, that you've experienced. Right, um, somebody in the comments put that he should be punished in, by the whole Punjabi community society. But I think that the thing that you're trying to do here is help us to realize how wide of an issue this is, and it spreads everywhere, and it's. I think where you least expect it, it happens. Um, I had um, a sister on a couple of weeks ago from the Gore movement, Gurpreet, and how common it is to experience abuse within families. She mm-hmm. has a lot of victims who share their stories with her and she she shares them on her page on Instagram. And it's it's disgusting to know how how much this happens and it happens right under our noses we just don't know how to to see the signs you know um i <laughs> i'm oh, i'm so angry because it shouldn't be the case it shouldn't be the case that this is normalized it shouldn't be the case that it exists in our families you should not have to be protecting your daughter he should he shouldn't be allowed to function in those spaces if we lived in a just world right well, I think we have to see our part too as women. Mm-hmm. As women, we're silencing our daughters. As uh, what? What is our role? What is was? What was my mom's role? What you know? What What is the grandma's role? Um, and why? Why do they keep on silencing this? Well, <laughs> you mentioned that um, it, it, this is so common in in our Indian homes, right? So then, basically, the mothers would be throwing out their brothers. Right, mm-hmm. or the, their dads, or their you know the chacha, the taya, the mama, the master, you name it, the cousin. Like <laughs> there'd be they'd be all out on the road, kicked out, right? So um, I do believe this story, our pony sister story, is a story in every home. 
I've, mm -hmm. I've said that from the get-go in some shape or form. Now, when it comes to women, why are we silencing our daughters? Well, we're trying to protect the patriarchy. We're trying to protect the brother. We're trying to protect the grandpa or the husband or whoever's um, you know, doing the abuse. So by doing that, women are cutting off their own feet. They have no leg to stand on. And that's the that's what we have to kind of go back and see because there's so many um I, I get I, I get emails and um uh, thank you. Thank you everyone for your wonderful and lovely messages and um your just prayers and um the encouragement. Um and, and these messages that I'm that I'm also getting are are horrific too, because you're forced to either live with your perpetrator, right? Or you're, you're forced to be around in the same family environment as the perpetrator. So we have to, as a society, start questioning that. Like, what are we doing that for? Who is it serving? Here on, in one way we say, oh, we want our community to thrive. We want our children to thrive. So it's not just about getting them the, the, the glossiest car or the, the, you know, the, the education at the whatever university, right? The, with the highest standard. What about all the other issues? Hmm. Why are we silencing them, them when it comes to their own self-worth? When, right. you, when, you, when you blame a victim, Oh, she was so old. How does she not know better? Right. Hmm. Or why didn't she tell her parents or whatever, whatever, um, you know, people say uh, to the, to the person who's suffered all this horror, usually nothing very pleasant, as you had mentioned earlier. Mm -hmm. um, well, wh what is that doing? You're further shaming the victim. You're further blaming the victim. The shame and the blame lies on the community. The shame and the blame lies on humanity. It is not the person who has suffered the violence. Mm hmm. And if the Antigis or the Bibians or the mothers still want to muffle their daughters' voices, they can continue to do so. The cycle of abuse will not end. The future generations, our grandchildren, will be affected by this. Yes. Right? Mm -hmm. So we all have to step up and rise within ourselves and own our own stories, as you had mentioned earlier. Own your own story. Honor your story, your experience. I mean, I went through horror. I know what I went through and years of it. I own it. Mm -hmm. I experienced it. It's my story. I own it. I honor it. And from that place, I move forward in healing myself, honoring the little Jeepti that I am, mm -hmm. shining in my light that I have that just wants to explode and, you know what I mean? Illuminate the rest of the world and help take away all the pain and suffering um, from this kind of a crime. So. Um, it worked for our great grandmothers, our ancestors, to keep their voices silent and muffled, and you know, get their granddaughters or their daughters to just shut up and keep silent. It's not working now. We yeah. have evolved, so we can evolve where we um, are able to adopt the newest music beats into our homes. Oh, the fashion, you know, the oh, the, the prettiest suit. Oh, look at this, you know, silk that just came from Lahore or wherever it comes from, right? Mm -hmm. um, why are we so um, reluctant to adopt new beliefs, change our beliefs, which will empower our girls, empower our children, so they can live um, healthy, uh, safe lives? Why can't we make our community safer? Mm. So 
whatever you know our moms did, our grandmas did, it's not working now. And it's up to us to rise. And the way one rises is you rise within yourself. Because we want to change to see the change out there. We can only see that change once we change our own attitudes and beliefs. Mm -hmm. Right? And as each individual starts doing that, well, the community's beliefs and attitudes will change because we are the community. Yes. So as we evolve, the community evolves, right? So the limiting beliefs get shattered. And um, the stories that play that women should be submissive or sit on the floor or whatever your beliefs, you know, one holds. And um, those would be replaced with, I am a value. I am good enough. I do deserve to shine. I deserve worthiness, right? Mm -hmm. It's it's incredible how how vast the issue is, and and I agree. I like that you're you're bringing light into the space. That's that's beautiful, and it's necessary. Um, I also think it's important to address for everybody who's tuning in that you know this is something that happens everywhere, and it's it's not something that we want to normalize. It's something that needs to stop by making those spaces safe um, and showing up in the right way to support victims is essential. Victim blaming is no longer an option and it's a call to the community to step forward and protect your vulnerable people, young people and people of all genders. This happens to men, this happens to women as well. It happens in the Gurdwara, it happens in your homes, it happens in your families, it happens everywhere. And I can speak to that. So we've got to stop putting that veil of invisibility and pretending that, you know, we're good. We're Sikhs, we're Punjabis. We've got everything under control, right? Put on our, you know, heavy Punjabi music and that's it. We're just happy, clappy people. It doesn't work like that. And the work that you guys are doing, I, I keep saying it because it really is commendable. We were, uh, Before we got on air, we were talking and you mentioned something which I think is really fitting to say now. Um, I hope you don't mind that I'm going to say it on your behalf, but when we say in our community, we like to look at great people who will fall on the sword, right? And we we want to have Bhagat Singh, we want to read about him in our history, we want to feel that strength and valour within us, but nobody wants Bhagat Singh in their home, Right? Nobody wants to sacrifice their child or their loved one or their partner and say, you go and do that for the community. They say, no, 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 no. You stay here. Let someone else take care of that dirty work. Okay. But you guys did that here. And that is the spirit of a God. And you three sisters, you've shown that to us in such a beautiful way. And I'm grateful because like I said, it, it moved something within me that I can't look away from. It wasn't that I was trying to hide from it. Mm -hmm. It was just that I didn't feel I was ready. Mm. And knowing that we show up for each other, without knowing it, you guys showed up for me through that documentary. And that moved the world to me. And I'm, I'm being very selfish right now because I'm speaking through my own voice instead of the community voice. But this is how we do it, how we take the steps and... You stepped into the shoes of Bhagat Singh, right? Oh. You said, let's show the way, how to do the right thing. Nobody stepped in for you. Nobody said, hey, you told us this when you were younger. Let us step in and protect you. Let us make those spaces safe again. Let us protect you from this 
ah, oh, monster, right? Nobody did that. And it's easy to just like write comments or to say nonsense things, let it roll off the tongue and say, you should have, you could have, why didn't you? It doesn't work like that, right? Um, but when you've been through it, you know that it takes a different level of sensitivity. And I I see your grace, I see your fierceness, and I and I respect it as a core. I see it and I I want to do everything that I can to support your voice and the work that you're doing. I know that you're writing a book. You've made this incredible documentary to awaken this within our community. And this is the beginning. I hope, I know that between us, yeah. we're not going to let this stay silent. I know that. Yes. And I think um, the thing that's sitting inside me really deeply at the moment, because there's lots of other cases of sexual abuse that are surfacing up in our community. Mm -hmm. And it's around you know, just these past few weeks, it's all like popping up. It's like, this is the time for, for us to wake up, break the illusion and stop lying to ourselves, right? Mm -hmm. The biggest thing that I think is misunderstood, maybe even in the mind of the perpetrator, maybe, I don't know, is that as a child, you'll forget that it happened at such a young age. How can you possibly remember that? Or how can it possibly affect you in your later years? all throughout the whole of your life. And I think that the, the negligence in the mind of a human to not have there and understand how scarring that is, and it's something that stays with you through the whole of your life mm -hmm. and changes who you are and how you are with people, your level of trust and relationships. And could you please share your experience of how this affected your the scope of your life or even for like what, what you observed in your sisters just so that we can we as a community can grasp the gravity of how how much this impacts somebody's entire life it's not just a moment it's not just a moment it's not just a moment in time and a moment that oh, okay get over it it happened way back then when you're gonna get past it it seeps through every part of your being and every relationship you have um, with yourself, with your children, with your parents, with you know your coworkers and all of that, right? So it affects, it affects me and it affects my sister for the rest of our lives. Mm -hmm. And healing is a lifelong journey. The trauma we have suffered, we will be dealing with this every single day. Um, what we've done is we've entered into healing, a healing journey, right? way from long back where uh, we sought therapy. We um, have different modalities that each one of us uses to help ourselves heal. Um, the trauma will always be there, but you can gather tools as to how to um, bring down the anxiety level, how to not fall into depression, um, so that you're not in a fear-based, right? That, that's the other thing. When, when tr severe trauma has um, you know, been inflicted upon you, you live on a fear-based system. So your every decision has um, fear attached to it. Mm. And you're like in my case, my daughter's, oh, okay, if my daughter's, you know, gonna step outside, oh my God, is somebody gonna hurt her? Oh my gosh, she can't leave my eyes, you know, my sight, right? Mm -hmm. I don't have that playing inside because I've worked on myself. Mm -hmm. So I, I have the belief that, okay, the world is a safe place. Whereas 20 years ago or, or 15 years ago, I didn't have that belief. 
I thought, oh my God, okay, how, how, how is my daughter going to live in a world that, you know, inflicts so much harm on children? And um, whether they be boys or girls, I mean, I have two girls, but like you had mentioned too, it's our boys that go through this too. And so as parents, we have to be, um, I feel like mindful and ask ourselves questions as the caregivers, as parents, what are we doing wrong? Where are we not, you know, connecting with our children that we're raising boys to be men who commit these crimes? Mm. So, and when uh, the more and more I started asking that questions, um, there's the work of Dr. Gordon Newfeld, which is attachment theory based. It's from crucial years zero to six years of age. There are certain attachment needs as a child develops that have to be met. And if they are not met, the child will grow up and seek attachment in, in well, in, in this case, like in horrific ways, right? Mm -hmm. Whether you're a boy or a girl. And um, so we have to start asking these questions and see how we can better parent our, our children if we want to end the cycle of abuse and not pass it down to our children. And I think um, when it comes to, to education, I, I think it, there's the works of, of Dan, Daniel Segal as well, right? Um, same thing. Um, talks about brain and how children's brains develop and, and different development stages. So those are the things that we have to start looking into to, to educate and move forward with that. We can't just keep on using the same old tools that didn't work for our grandparents or our parents, right? Which is keeping it silent and hush hush or the difference between boys and girls. Why do we have, you know, our girls are here and our boys are up here. And that's the message that the girls get from, from the moment they're conceived in the womb. Mm -hmm. like, so our attitudes and, and mentalities have to be changed if we truly, truly want to move forward and end all of this cycle. And you mentioned um, the cases that are popping up now, left, right, and center. Mm -hmm. Well, 10, 12 years ago, I had a conversation with our prosecutor and I, and I remember telling her, get ready, get ready, because the, the landslide's coming, right? Mm -hmm. a whole wave of cases coming forward mm -hmm. right mm -hmm. and um, and many of them write in to us um and share their stories um of, mm -hmm. of, of of horror and abuse and and also praise that my sisters and i we were able to just you know peel the pull the, the carpet off of this um taboo subject in our community mm -hmm. and um you know, not to toot our own horn or anything, but when someone writes in and says, you know, you guys are the flag bearers, right? Um, and I, I cry. It, it's, it's, there's been so much suffering. And then this part of this journey that I'm on, right? Having gone through the trial, made the film and all of that, um, there's also gratitude. Hmm gratitude that okay the community is finally kind of awakening and shaking up and is seeing okay somebody did suffer all this and this is the effort and amount of courage and vulnerability they went through so our voices can be heard because this mm -hmm. isn't the pony sister story this is a universal story yeah right it's our community's story mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. it absolutely is um it's, it's what we're saying, you know, somebody needs to fall on the sword to wake everybody else up, right? Mm. And I, I agree with whoever's told that to you, whoever said that to you, that you have, with this story, 
helped all of us and and I'm saying that to you today on air that it's it's helped me to just move forward um and know that it's time to pull things out from under that rug um things that I thought I would take to my grave that I would never be able to speak and bring to my lips um but knowing that we can when we stand up together mm-hmm. right and that's what I think is important when we show up as community for each other. I hope you're okay for time. We're going to run over the hour because I want, there's so many things that I still need to talk to you about. I hope that's okay. It's perfect. Thank you. Because yes, I'm not putting any time restrictions. What you're sharing with us is so valuable and so important. Um, So I just want to have the freedom for you to share and for us to be able to learn and then step up as community as well, because it's it's a call to all of us, right? Mm-hmm. Um, there's something that I'd like to to just go back. I know I'm, I'm like rocking you back and forth, and I don't mean to. If it's too much, you can ask me to stop, and I, I'll happily do that. Um, but you, you mentioned in the documentary, I think it was when you were in ninth grade, mm-hmm. that you came to a realization or an understanding that what you had thought was normal, that you were experiencing, you discovered it wasn't normal and it was wrong. And um, what, like, was there anything particular that happened at that time at school in terms of education that helped you to come to that understanding? And when you did learn that, how did it make you feel? Hmm. Yes. Um, I remember that time when I, Put it all together. Um, again, the book goes into the details, so I don't want to get into that. Yeah. But once I realized what was happening to me, um, yeah. and that this is what it means, this is something that you know adults do, and all of this, and then obviously um, um, the biology of our of our um, anatomy of our, ourselves, and all of that, and the biology yeah. behind it, right? Yeah. Um, then I was like, oh, okay, holy, okay, this is what it is. And instantly, it's wrong. Mm-hmm. I knew what was happening to me initially. Like, I was scared and, okay, it didn't feel right. It didn't seem right at all. It was wrong. Um, obviously, you believe what um, – I believed what he was saying to me mm-hmm. and um, and how he normalized it, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so when I learned exactly that this is what this is, uh, yeah, I had my – you know, moment where it's like, well, this is so, well, I'm dirty. Mm. So I, I, I took all of that and the years that it had been happening and I went into, well, what a bad girl I am. Mm. Shit, you know? Yeah. So just the ugliness about what one feels about themselves, because after all, he's my brother, right? Mm. And um, what kind of person am I doing this with my brother? So I saw it as something that I was always a part of. Mm-hmm. And then with that, obviously there's a lot of shame. There's a lot of fear. Um, and just that you don't deserve a, a great life because mm-hmm. you're a bad girl. Right. So those are the kind of thoughts that, um, that started playing in, in my mind. Mm-hmm. Mm. And how did you, how did you come from that fear into where you are now, into courage. I know that was a long, it's a long journey. It's not like a short answer. It doesn't um, happen overnight. Mm-hmm. No, 
It does not happen overnight, bit by bit, step by step. Um, yeah, it, it, back into, in, in um, what was it, when I was 22, when I had a very dark day, I, I had I had heard that, um, you know, my sisters had been abused. Um, yeah, that was my darkest day. So mm -hmm. after that day, I decided, which was a suicidal day. I, I mean, I'm open and honest with it, right? So I just mm -hmm. I tried to, yeah, to harm myself. And then when I um, came out of that, it was like, holy, okay, you know what? I have to. I have to get away from this person, right? And that's a whole journey on its own. Um, so then I took the steps to start, you know, step by step by step, finding my way how to get out of what the prison he had created. Mm -hmm. And um, and then obviously I met my wonderful husband. <laughs> yeah, wonderful, wonderful husband. And then um, so that journey started that, oh, okay, I can, I can, I can be married. So once that journey started, then there was no looking back or turning back. And again, it felt so right for me that this is the person that I want to be with. He's the one I want to marry. And then I went forward with that. And he, my husband and I, um, my older sister says that that moment brought so much joy into her life because mm -hmm. you've gone through all this horror and you don't think that we're entitled to love. Yes. We're not entitled to happiness because I'm the dirty one. And I not ever once in my younger years, you know, thought, oh, it's the abuser who's doing all this stuff to me. I always thought it was my fault. So I blamed myself. Mm. So then that all started shifting bit by bit by bit. Then I became a mom, right? And then you you start healing in, in, in certain ways as a mother and protecting your child and keeping safe. And then fast forward 2006, when I got the phone call, that's when my journey um, into myself started. And it started by me, um, like I said, speaking my truth, telling telling my husband, not being afraid, telling my family. And it started by, okay, well, family's not doing anything about this. How can I um, stop this person from still committing harm, right? So then I went to the police and my sisters were a part of that process. And then 12 year, you know, court case, stuff like in the criminal justice system it was a 12 year plus journey because we still have the um um you know fingers crossed the appeal <laughs> right that hopefully will come through so um the healing started bit by bit and it started once i spoke my truth so once I spoke my truth and stood up for that little GT, okay, then you go to court, you go to the police, okay, now you're telling your truth to strangers, oh my God, okay, but you have to tell your truth, that's the right thing to do, and then you go to court, and then, I mean, the defense doesn't make it easy, so you're, you're, you're put in a pressure cooker, and um, we sat through that pressure cooker for... Yeah. A decade <laughs> and more and um, went through that journey but it was my truth that was um, hitting each and every corner of the walls in the courtroom that's what I told our prosecutor I said Ms. Julie Dufour anytime I answer a question or I tell my story in that courtroom it's my truth that's shiny and it's bouncing off of the walls um, so 
that gives you even, you know, it's building your confidence little by little and it's your voice that's being heard. This person has to sit there now, right? This person that's committed all these crimes, he has to sit there, listen to one by one by one as sisters testify and what he's done to us. So the, the panchat, if I can call it, that our parents didn't gather for us, which they said they would, but then they didn't. So the, the, the elders, you know, didn't um, have this safe space for us to out and out and, you know, tell our story. Well, that's how we saw the courtroom then. Okay, then this is the Pajat, right? Now there's a lot of people listening to our stories and it's in a courtroom and this is being documented, any word that comes out of our mouth. So that's even a bigger Pajat than we could have ever asked for. Having said that, it was absolutely horrific going through um, the court case journey. That's not where I found my healing or my sisters found their healing. Yes, we were able to speak our truth. Yes, we were able to, you know, make our story known and heard. Um, my healing journey went deeper um, after the verdict when I just took time off and um, uh, to just basically experience different modalities in healing. And um, I'm assuming that's what we're going to jump into next is the healing journey. <laughs> yeah, we absolutely are because the transition of, you know, going through that in childhood, I, you know, I, I understand to my own experience, the level of fear and how it changes your personality and to transform from that and to come into the space of courage you know, it's like, as you rightfully said, it's not an overnight process. And there are so many um, moments, more than just moments, you, you represent courage right now, but through the documentary as well, you know, it, it's evident right there to be able to go to the police and to make that decision that takes heaps of courage. Um, and to, to be able to tell your husband the truth, I can only imagine the amount of fear, but you conquered it with your courage, you know, because there were so many what ifs. And I'm grateful that you found a good Punjabi man who stood by you and supported you because that's reassuring for those out there that will lose hope in Punjabi men, right? Mm -hmm. That there are some good ones out there. And well done for grabbing one. <laughs> Aww, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. Yeah, no. Mm -hmm. Before things journey, I just want to wrap up here with that. It actually traumatizes you one more. Mm. I felt like we suffered more trauma. Mm. And um, then here, you, here we are trying to tell our truth. And then we're, you know, reliving our old memories. And then what's being said by defense is just a, a horrific twisted story made up, um, I don't know, by, say, the worst Bollywood director in the world or something, right? That's mm. what it felt like, that this is ongoing. And then um, the, the adjournments that this person was uh, granted over and over again, again by the court system, right? So he used all the loopholes to drag the, the shit out of the case, right? So it was more like a gong show. But um, I, my message is if you're looking for healing, uh, I don't know if um, the court system is the best system to, to, to find it, right? Because even when you sit down with the police and give your statement, it's not the most pleasant environment. I mean, we were in this tiny little room where other criminals usually sit, Right. So you have the worst of the worst sitting in the same seat it, with a tiny little claustrophobic room with white walls. Um, yeah, it's 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 it wasn't a pleasant journey at all. Um, if you feel 
these are this is to the audience members. If you feel you you know want to go through the criminal justice system, by all means go ahead. Just make sure you have tremendous support, and that support will not come from your family. So you need an outside support system, right? Mm-hmm. Um, one of the messages that I keep on getting is, well, how can I get my mom to believe me? Or how can I get my mom to, you know, she's still talking to her brother who's done all this stuff to me. And I'm the one who's been um, pushed out of the family. And How do I get her to understand? Well, we can't get them to, to understand. Um, what I realized is for myself, the support has to come from within me. If I don't own my own story, if I don't find my own worthiness and value and that I do matter and what's happened to me, you know, is it it happened to me in the past. Yes, it's ugly and horrific, but that does not define me, you know, moving forward into 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 the future. So if I don't um, find that self-love, find my innocence, then I mean, I'm not going to get it from my mom or anyone else around us. So first and foremost, you have to be your own number one supporter. And from there, uh, whether it's a friend, whether it's an organization you reach to, whether they reach out to an organization, you know, um, that you're a part of. So um, that's how that's how much um, support and strength is needed to go through mm-hmm. through the, the system. And we mm-hmm. left out because we had a great kick ass prosecutor. And then um, there was also um, uh, the rape relief, Vancouver rape relief. I had reached out to to them, not so much for for help for myself or anything, but um, I like going in there and just, you know, asking a few questions here and there. And then, you know, they'd always ask me, but how are you doing? You know, I, I walked in there with, okay, I'm making this film type thing, right? And they're like, but how are you doing? And then, oh, when's the next court date? How are your sisters doing? And then I, yeah. So there, there's support out there. You just have to to look for it, and um, and then take the steps that you you need to take. Hmm. Wow. Yes. The the legal system, ideally, you know, is where we'd want to hold everybody accountable. But I think the fear is that you know, what if it doesn't serve you? What if it doesn't work in your favor? Um, for some people, they, I mean, you guys are wonderful. You're appealing and you're going to, you know, uh, I'm assuming that you're going to try to continue to fight. I mean, the fact that you took the first steps and you've been doing it for 12 years to be in that process is incredible. Um, for a lot of people, it would be a fear factor to think that if you're going to go through that process and you would assume according to the conditioning we have from movies that justice will be served, um, how how was it to deal with the fact that things didn't necessarily go in your favor in the through the legal system the journey through the legal system like initially it was to stop him from harming others i, I didn't know where else to go right so mm-hmm. where do you go your parents don't do anything okay you go to the police okay well police took their jolly good time 3 years later finally you know the matter entered Mm. Um, he, the, the perpetrator was charged, right? So, um, how do you how do you stop someone, and how do you continue um, to stand up for yourself when um, everything's kind of like they say um, it, it's difficult, right? It's it, it's it's very challenging. So, 
you just have to go with it. You just have to trust yourself and find what's right for you. And mm -hmm. if it is a legal process, just remember it might take forever. And if um, there is, I mean, not everyone can take that route, right? It's also okay to own your own story and break your silence within yourself. So you mm. don't always have to announce it on a loudspeaker. You don't always have to go, you know, running to, to, to the police to make it a court case. I mean, if you don't want to. Um, the important thing is when it comes to healing and um, healing your trauma is to just within yourself breaking your silence. Mm. Right? So, I mean, everybody has their own process and healing is a lifelong journey and um, just bit by bit chip mm. out and yeah life 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 is beautiful on the other side my sisters and i came through it on the other side and when we first heard that uh june 10th uh, 2019 the judge's um decision that the case is going to be uh stayed right which means um he was supposed to be sentenced he was mm -hmm. guilty out of four out of six counts right so he was supposed to be sentenced but when he filed the application that the court case took so long and his timely rights were breached, right? To a timely trial, right? That that's what he filed. There's a there's a charter um that exists, right? Yeah. For for rights that his rights to a timely trial trial were breached, even though he had asked for all those adjournments. So um when I found out and my sisters found out that um the judge Cited in his favor, granted him the application. The matter is stayed. There will not be any um, sentencing. He has no criminal record. He will not be on the sex offenders registry list. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So then it's like, okay, so if he gets stopped for a traffic mm -hmm. ticket, uh, the cop won't know that he's one of, you know, these people that do these kind of things, right? And the community won't know because he's not on a, a, an offenders list, right? So that, for me at that moment, I went into doing. Mm. I didn't process it. When I heard, I made a video and I put a call in, uh, out uh, for our prime minister, Prime Minister Trudeau. It's, it's on social media, my video, right? Um, calling for um, Crown to appeal the case calling for um, our policyholders and lawmakers, including our Prime Minister Justin Trudeau, to, to sit down and let's have a chat and let's tell you um, what can be improved in the legal system. Like my sisters and I went through this for, for this long. We're the perfect people that you can have a conversation with if you truly believe you want to um, improve the system for for survival, wow. right? So that's what I did. And from that, that obviously led to more media interviews and on and on and on and on. And our film had already, um, uh, last year, May, had hit the big screens, right, uh, across Canada. So there was a lot going on. And I didn't get a chance to process it until about three weeks later, once all the interviews kind of, you know, I was done all the interviews and stuff. And it was like, okay. Well, for me, it was never about the jail time. Mm. This person has done what he's done. My whole thing was, how do you stop him, right? Mm -hmm. Doing harm to others. So what he's done, whether he got one day, one year, or 
20 years, it's not going to take away what he's done to me, right? It's mm. not going to heal that. Mm. For me, it was, okay, um, this is the result. The next step is make the video, put a call out to Crown Council, put a call out to our Prime Minister. Maybe there will be an appeal heard. Put up the petition, right? So I was in the doing part. And... Um, put up the petition and we have I think over probably close to 45,000 signatures now last time I checked it was wow. 40 something yeah 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 so wow. it's um Puni sisters petition on change.org so I urge everyone to sign it and uh we're hoping fingers crossed there will be an appeal and if it goes to appeal then um I will obviously keep everyone updated through my social media um as to what's what's happening and where things are at so and if i really want to heal i feel i can't be stuck with the story i can't mm -hmm. um in my past i experienced it now it's up to me what am i gonna do with that experience okay well i'm using my experience to help educate and to um give my suggestions as to uh, what we can do as parents and as a community to make this place a safer place for our, our boys and our girls. You're doing incredible work, Jiti. I mean, the fact that I love your proactive energy. I love the positivity that you're bringing into this whole space, which is, is not so light. Um, I've just put into the comments um, the the name of the petition, the Puni Sister petition on change.org. Um, I don't have the actual link, so please just go there and search for the petition. Go and sign and show your support because that's what we have to do. We have to show up, right? Um, wow is the only thing that comes to, to my lips. Um, your journey of healing through this is, is incredible. Um, and I, I, I'm curious to know for myself where in that process of healing, um, and, and I think that might be the, the healing for you as sisters, maybe not just yourself individually, um, did you muster up the courage to confront your parents and have the conversation with them that we saw in the documentary? Because for me, that's frightening. The most frightening part is is that to to sit and mm. speak with your parents, your Punjabi parents, with that traditional mindset, that backward thinking, um, and and just what you shared that in childhood, you know, you you'd come back home from school and then put on your Punjabi suit and you'd only go out with your hair in braids. So that that really old school mindset to have to confront that with something like this, I. I can't imagine the amount of courage, but where did that fall in your process of healing and how did you decide how to approach it? Well, in our family, anytime we got in trouble, it was kind of like uh, we, we lived in a joint family. So everybody got together and sat down, my you know uncle and dad and whatever, and us kids would have to hear what they'd have to say. And um, as we got older, um, we started bit by bit by, you know, 
expressing our voice here and there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, yeah, so basically you were shunned in front of the whole family. So sitting around in the family and, you know, everybody talking about you and saying how horrible you are or what a big mistake you made about this, 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 right? That um, that, some, that was something a part of our family growing up. But um, find, like, getting the courage to sit down with our parents and tell them all of this stuff, um, it, that when for the film itself was um, a needed conversation, right? So that was obviously um, something that uh, my parents knew. We're gonna come over and we're gonna have tea. And then I knew from what I was gonna bring up. And I also knew that once I start something, my sister Kira is gonna, you know, just let it all out. So, and then Baljeet, our director, obviously knew as well as to, um, you know, how important this conversation is. And mm-hmm. um, so I started the conversation and Baljeet and I, obviously we had discussed a few things that, you know, okay, this is it, it's gonna come out. And um, basically it's confronting the parents, right? On on mm-hmm. camera. So, but even, even before that, like our parents, um, we've had conversations here and there. They know how we feel. But um, that intense, serious conversation in that um, fullness, mm-hmm. that, that came out um, right in front of the camera organically. So, yes, it was, you know, planned that we're going to have a conversation. Yes, it was known that there's going to be a little bit of a confrontation. But I also know my parents. I mean, what's the worst that can happen? They're going to get up and leave. <laughs> <laughs> what's the worst they could do they're not gonna slap me now <laughs> right? I mean we've already heard growing up how no good we are we've already heard how horrible you know we are and uh, yeah how like they say we've brought shame and all of this stuff and it's our fault my fault right especially mm. me so my dad what he said oh you are responsible too mm. when he said that um it's not something I haven't heard before it's it's something that um that he's he's he said way way back when we first opened our mouths and he was being pressured from um our perpetrator's side in the family to till still keep a relationship as mm. mama with that side of the family right especially when there's an indian wedding come on they want the mama to show up right so mm. um and things were said to him like forget about your daughters right and obviously how bad we are but um so it wasn't and then at that time my dad had said something that um yeah was very unpleasant so this whole finger pointing from the parents had has been uh, pretty um you know regular so if we were going to have a sit down with him i mean what, what honestly what could they do and how do you build that courage my advice is just you know like i said know your truth and when it's that right time you will know that you're ready to have that conversation so don't beat yourself up about it yes you will be scared and it's okay to be scared because we're entering a a, you know out of our comfort zone and talking about something so uncomfortable and so horrific and traumatic so every ounce of uh, of 
oneself is trying to shut down the conversation, shut down the conversation, don't have it now, now's not a good time or whatever. But when that knowingness comes from inside, that's the best time to sit down and um, just let it all out. What we um, suppress, right, inside us, it will express. It will express in ways that, believe me, you will not want it to express, whether it'll be, you know, outbursts of anger or it'll be um, disease or um, anxiety or some sort of other mental illness or a huge depression. So whatever one is trying to um, suppress for the sake of the family, I think um, just start working on yourself and accepting your truth. And then that moment will come when you're 100% ready to face whatever the consequences are. Mm. So powerful. And there's so much love coming in through the comments. One of our brothers from the US, Manmeet Singh, he's a dear brother, is sending his love and support and just sharing appreciation for you sharing your story and breaking that silence that in you doing that will provide a lot of solace and support for many victims out there who are still in that process of trying to connect with their courage. So, you know, we need we need this work. We need to hear these voices and these stories. And healing is is such an important part of the process. Um, I was moved, really deeply moved, when I saw the connection you have with your daughters mm -hmm. and that they were with you in this process of being in the court case and that you didn't just tell your husband, you also told your daughters. And that speaks volumes in terms of your healing and how you've built a relationship different to what you were given hmm. of a mother and a daughter. And can you share us share with us a little bit about that? How did you how did you come to that point of creating that openness and support with your daughters? Well, my older one was six, so when I broke my silence, and my second one was born in 2009, so she was born into all of this, right? Mm -hmm. And um, I didn't hide anything from them. When I had to go to court, I told them, you know, I'm going to court. I didn't want them to be afraid in any way. I It was easier because I had um, the shame and the blame. I had realized it. It's not mine. Mm -hmm. So when I told my parents, right, obviously I, I let go a lot of shame right there. I told my husband, told my parents, a lot of shame was let go right there. When I um, went to the police, okay, these are strangers that you're telling your story to, okay, mm. then releasing even more shame and blame. Then you go through the court process. So my daughters, I had no problem including them in the process. I mean, I know my husband, he wants to live a quiet life. <laughs> He's just, you know, the behind the scenes guy does not want, you know, to be out there. And um, the decision came, okay, um, the, the children as well, I want to include them in the film, right? Because mm -hmm. we have to sign consent forms, right? So um, for me, it was really important. And so he signed the consent and all that. And I actually had to think too, is, is this safe for my daughters? Is it safe mm -hmm. for me to put their faces out there, right? So as a parent, you, you have these decisions you have to make, but I also know the power it would give the film because my daughters represent the innocence of the girls that we once were. So seeing us older women, 
Mm-hmm. It's a whole different story. But when you bring, um, you know, your child self into this and what that looked like at that time, that communicates volumes. And my daughters don't say much on, on the film, in the film, right? But just their presence adds so much. So for me, it was very important to, to have them in the film. And even my husband in the, in the way that he, I mean, he's in the background in the film, but um, it was important to, for him to be a part of it too. And that was a very hard decision for him. That was very hard. Cause like I said, he wants to live a very quiet life. <laughs> and here I am, I'm doing the opposite. <laughs> right yeah um also uh, for my parents i i think it's very important to share this message to the viewers there's no blame on my parents i don't carry you know this this whole load of blame towards them um i look at them as the little boy or the little girl that they once were and how they were raised and how their voices were silenced so Mm -hmm. They can't give us anything that they weren't given. Mm-hmm. They've passed on the same, you know, they use the same tools that, you know, their parents used on them. And they can only do so much until, you know, one day, however, they wake up within themselves. So um, in making this film, I do feel is, is awakening for mm-hmm. them, right? And making this film was very hard for my sister, Fida. Mm. Yeah, she usually goes on the Q&As and tells people, well, I hardly even showered, right? And she was always late to show up and, and all of that. And I'd have to tiptoe around her, right? Um, for my sister, Selakshana, she didn't even know the magnitude of this film, what it's going to do. She thought, okay, there's going to be a few white people that are going to come see this film, maybe 10, 15 people. She didn't realize that um, it's this huge of a of, of uh, an impact it's going to have. Uh, if she had known that this is going to go Canada wide, mm-hmm. worldwide, and you know, people are gonna be writing in with all these wonderful messages and all of this and da 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 da, um, she probably would not have had the courage to participate. So with with, with my sister, it's so funny because we just give her tidbits of information, right? And then when she's in it, like now she's getting all these messages from people and now she's, wow, this is helping me heal. Right, hearing all this because you're so stuck in how no good you are and how you don't deserve any, you know, an ounce of greatness in your life. And then on the other side, right, here it is, it's helping other people. So now she's seeing how just her being a part of this film has impacted so many other people like her, right? Mm. To, to, to live a good life. And you can live a good life. We, we have our horror, but we can get past it. We use what's happened, you know, our experience, and we, we find um, how we can move forward. Um, re, um, rewriting the script that was written, right? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So, so powerful and so inspirational. Oh, everybody needs to go and watch the film. If you haven't watched it, I'm going to say it again. Because We Are Girls is the name of the documentary and it is available to watch on Amazon Prime. Please go and watch it. Please go and show your support. Um, are there any 
in, I, I, I can't even call them tips because that's not even the right word. Like, I don't, I don't know what the language is for this. I've never had this conversation before. So please excuse me if, I mean, I don't mean to, to sound silly, <laughs> but I might <laughs> just because I'm so, I'm, it's like I'm going on the journey with you inside in here. Um, so it's really difficult to be asking questions when it's, it's, it's like you're speaking my voice for me. Hmm. So it's, it's a very interesting scenario. <laughs> hmm. um, how can we teach? And I don't want to have to ask this question because it repulses me. Essentially, we shouldn't have to have these situations or these conversations. Um, we need definitely to have our men better educated in our community without a doubt. But until we get to that point... How can we support our young women and young people who are more vulnerable to these sorts of situations? How can we support them to be vigilant? Like, is there a, I, I don't even know if there are any telltale signs of a perpetrator because all the ones that I have come across that have been exposed to me, they all camouflage in perfectly. You would never know you would never know and you wouldn't believe it when they are exposed. That's how well they operate in plain sight. But is there anything that you feel that we could look out for just to, to safeguard our vulnerable youth? I just think if someone's being overly nice, right? And when um, someone comes over to your house and you're forcing your child to go say hello, go sit in his lap or go give him a hug. What the heck is all that about? Boundaries. We need to respect boundaries and set boundaries for ourselves and for our children. And I find in our culture, we don't do that. You don't have your, your space. Everybody's allowed to invade that space. Mm. Um. So yes, if the child doesn't want to say hi, if the child doesn't want to go sit in, you know, so-and-so uncle's lap or whatever, whether it's a mama, whether it's a, you know, whatever it is, don't force it, right? And um, when it comes to a child and seeing signs that if there is something happening, like is a child withdrawn? Right? Is the child all of a sudden, you know, that used to be a happy, bubbly child? Is it is that child now an angry, upset child? Right? Mm -hmm. So there, there are signs that you can look for, including school. Well, are the grades falling? Right? Or mm -hmm. is the child starting to hang out with um, kind of like the wrong crowd? Mm -hmm. That child's looking for attention and um, support, and that child's not getting it from, you know, the parents at home. Um, you are, you're right. Um, when it comes to, um, um, sexual abusers, pedophiles, they are the perfect person <laughs> so well with the family. And that's a part of the grooming process too, because what they do is they groom the parents first. The parents will be like, oh, the Bojangaya. Oh, you know, in our case, our cousin, um, my parents used to say, oh, he's so Sharif. He doesn't even look up. 
You know, he's always sitting on the sofa looking down. What a nice, quiet boy he is. And then he'll obey whatever the elders are saying and go out and do that, right? So one of the first things these perpetrators do is um, gain the family's trust, right? The parents' mm. trust. And then the parents will leave the kids with them. Oh, okay, go, uncle's going to drive you for some ice cream, right? Mm -hmm. So, um, and then and then again, I mean, I do have to say there are those people that are wonderful uncles, wonderful brothers, wonderful fathers and grandfathers. So um, I, I feel those males um, I'd like to hear from. And mm -hmm. they need to rise in this conversation. So the person you had mentioned earlier, um, I commend him for being a part of this conversation. What we've realized through our journey is it's mostly uh, females that interact with us. And, mm -hmm. and I get for males, it's hard. Hmm. And one of the reasons being because uh, 97, 98% of these crimes are committed by males, right? Hmm. So it's, it's difficult for males to, to kind of understand that and um, be a part of this dialogue. But if we want to ensure that our children are safe and want to change the attitudes and beliefs in our community, we need to sit down both male and females, right? Um, so as, as these, as these two um, diverse energies, uh, we do have a oneness, but then again, you know, growing up as a male is a totally different experience in our culture than growing up as a, a female in this culture. Right. Mm. So we need to sit down and have these dialogues. And I urge my brothers um, and my uncles to step up. And for, for the younger generations, you are going to be the next um, generation of parents. Uh, I can just um, my advice is to educate yourself, see how you can, you know, have your child's attachment needs met so that, um, you know, like I mentioned before, they're not being harmed or um, doing harm to others when they grow yeah. up. And um, I think bit by bit, as our attitudes change within ourselves, our community will change. And it can no longer um, lie asleep, this issue. It could no longer be covered, right? Mm -hmm. That time has passed. And I feel that there's the, the, the great ancestors, the great grandmothers are an amplified voice. And as me and my sisters share our story, tell our stories, it's their voices that are being heard too. Mm -hmm. So it's it's just an honor um, to be doing this, this great work. And I really hope that everything that um, I've shared and you've talked about and my sisters and I have done um, helps um, heal our, our, our community and our families. I want to reach in through the screen and give you a hug. That's what I want to do. Um, this is a this is a call to the community to step up. This is a call to, as you said, our brothers, our uncles, and the next generation to step up as allies to all victims of this abuse within our community. And some comments that I saw earlier on is that, you know, this happens in Punjabi community, not in the Sikh community. I'm sorry to say that's not the truth. Why should I they read my book? <laughs> yeah, like, no, I don't think about it. What it is, is like, okay, that is, um, that is people not waking up yet. It happens in every community, right? Mm -hmm. So mm -hmm. and it's not just particular to the Punjabi community. It's yes. not particular to, um, I don't know, 
whatever community that um, one individual is from, right? It's all across, mm. the, it's all across, and it's well, all the world. It's often that illusion though, Hannah, that we think anybody who's practicing Sikhi is protected. And those spaces are, they should be sacred, they should be safe, but the truth is they're not. They are as tainted and as unsafe as our families are. And I think that's the illusion that we're, we're operating in communally. And um, with this theme of sexual abuse has been on our show now for the last few weeks, and I intend to keep it going. Um, anybody who is watching, who wants to reach out, who wants to share their story or to address this issue, please reach out to me and we'll have you on the show because if we don't talk about this and really wake up our community as to the magnitude of how how deep rooted this is and how disgusting it is that it happens. It shouldn't happen in our families. We shouldn't have to be protecting our young people. It shouldn't happen in our Gurdwara. It shouldn't happen anywhere. But the truth and the fact is that it does. Mm -hmm. And for too long, our voices have been silenced and suppressed and we've been told that we're not good enough and it's our fault and all of that nonsense no victim chooses this right mm -hmm. and today in in your bravery and your courage you've you've come here and you shared with us your story as a survivor and you're so inspirational jiti how you've how you've worked to keep fighting it reflects all of the morals of Sikhi. Everything that I was taught about Sikhi, you have spoken to me through your journey today. And that's that's the work that you need to keep doing. And you have all of the support from our beautiful little community of core voices. Whatever I can do, um, I, I'm there. However, we can use this space to amplify those voices and those stories. We need to do that. And I, I want everybody to know that you're writing a book and the book is called The Silent Stoning. Mm. And this book is going to be coming out soon. So you need to stay tuned. And I'm going to pop a link into the comments. I want you to go to the website and I want you to sign up for the newsletter, which is called A Note from Jiti, to be informed about when that book comes out. Mm. Because we need to show up for each other. We need to support each other. And we need to know that we've got each other's back as well. And that's what I want you to know, Jiti, is... I, I can't speak on behalf of everybody else. I want to speak on behalf of this little community that we're growing. Um, but I can speak for me and say that I, I'm in your corner. Mm. However, I can show up for you. I'm, I'm a phone call away and this space is yours. If your sisters feel at any point they want to come and share their stories, you know, we this is how we heal together as community mm -hmm. is we talk and we feel that we're seen, you know, because there, there are a lot of people, like um, my brother said, Manmeet Singh, that so many people who are going to listen to your words and see you as an inspiration. I took courage from your, your documentary. Mm. And um, it was difficult for me to prepare for today's show because it's more than just a show. I'm, I'm not doing this for any reason. Like I don't, I'm not paid for this or it's not commercial. It's about doing what's needed to be done in our community. Mm. And we need to talk about this. We need to have films. We need to have people who are brave enough to come forward with their stories in the media so that we can create support and inspiration and hope for those people who are suffering so deeply, they don't think that there's a way out. Mm. 
Mm, thank you. Thank you for having this platform and, um, you know, having this dialogue. This dialogue has so needed and it's been missing in our culture and our society for so long. And um, I also wanted to say um, thank you for volunteering your time as Seva. And that's what my sisters and I did with, with this film. There is a misconception that we might have been paid for this documentary, but it's a documentary by the National Film Board. They don't pay um the subjects, right? So this is our seva to the community. This is our service. And we put years and years of um, our, our rawness and ourselves into um, this, this, this beautiful film. And I'm so grateful for you for, for um, presenting it and talking about it and inviting me and um, sharing the Puni sister story. Um, I'm sure I'll be back. <laughs> And um, my sisters, um, they love you, send, sending their love to you too. And if you need to talk, I just want you to let uh, let you know that um, I'm here for you too. And um, thank you. Yeah, I'm here to listen. Oh, I'm, trying, I'm really trying not to cry. This is the, the hardest show that I think I've done. Um, and it's just because of how close to home it hits. Um, and, I, and I shared that with you before we went on air. Um, soon enough, hopefully, I'll be sharing in this space too. But thank you. That that means the world to me. And mm -hmm. so much love to you and to your brave sisters for, for helping us to stay true to who we should be, which is about speaking the truth and fighting for justice. Mm -hmm. Thank you. And um, I want to thank the audience too. Thank your audience and um, for having the courage to watch the film, those that you know, of you that have, and also um, listening to this conversation, right? Because I know sometimes there are certain triggers um, that mm. um, come up during conversations or when you hear people speak. So um, let's continue the dialogue. Please, please spread the word about um, the the film because we are girls and our, you know, Pudi sister's story. There's so many people that can benefit from just watching the film. And, um, in many of the messages, it's like, like you had said too, it puts the person on a healing journey, right? So they find healing from just watching this film and feel that their voice is being heard. That's my story. That's my voice, right? Mm -hmm. And um, thank you. I, I really, really, I really appreciate your, your softness. I appreciate um, how your heart radiate, radiates in such authenticity that I can um, answer your questions and I feel comfortable, um, you know, if my sisters were to be in your company, because that's one of the things about me is I, you know, make sure that um, my sisters are protected, right? Do you know what I mean? Because conversations can be taken in, in so many different ways. And um, Baljeet did a wonderful job weaving the film together in, 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 in a way that wasn't, you know, sensationalized and, you know, she didn't have her own agenda behind it all. And this conversation with you, which I know we've gone way over time. <laughs> um, it's an absolute pleasure. And I do hope that there's more souls like you stepping up um, and bringing these conversations forward. Thank you, Jiti. Thank you so much. And, and I look forward to having you back on so you can share with us when your book is released and I can buy a copy. Okay. <laughs> Thank, you. Thank you for being flexible with your time. And Thank you, everybody who is tuning in and supporting us to hold this space. And please reach out. I've put the links in the in the comments. Go and show your support. Go and show your love and watch the documentary. 
because we are girls. Thank you for tuning in to Core Voices.